Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Confessions of an Actress. This is going to be a quick confession from me. I'm not sure how quick because I got a lot to talk to you guys about. You know, the past few episodes um, have been interviews with uh, my great friends, uh, Danette and Sarah Jane. And in Sarah Jane's episode last week, we were talking about recordings and talking about um, me as a recording artist or or when we did our first Broadway show together, how I was off recording an album. And I got a lot of messages from you guys about um, my recordings and wondering uh, if I'm writing any new music or if I'm... Or just even that you didn't know that I actually wrote my own music and was a singer-songwriter. I still am, but I wanted to kind of address that today and talk to you guys a little bit about my experience as uh, trying to be a recording artist when I was first in New York City. So that's what this confession episode is going to be, basically answering that question. Oh, so I'm going to go all the way back to when I was at AMDA College and Conservatory for the Arts in New York City, and I started writing music in the practice rooms, and it's funny, my friend who I went to school with, who is also a singer-songwriter and amazing Broadway actor, Chris Jackson, we both were kind of the people who were always in the practice rooms like just writing music and making stuff up and we never actually wrote anything together which I I I regret I wish we did but um yeah Chris Jackson and I were the ones who were at AMDA writing music so that's kind of where I started writing my music I just you know being in New York City when you're 18 years old the floodgates just open and you really do start um your artistry that you had in your small town just it just goes tenfold because you're surrounded by it it's all you're doing I was going to to school at AMDA and so like all I was doing was just immersing myself in being an artist so it it did it opened up um it opened up a lot for me so I started writing I took a lot of my poetry and a lot of my my teenage angst and I put it into writing music and and you know, I, I bought some books because at the time there was no internet, you guys. This was 1994, 1995. Nobody had a computer or a smartphone. So I just, I got some um, some books, uh, the Complete Rhyming Dictionary, I remember I had. I had um, The Craft and Business of Songwriting. I started learning what an AABA structure was. I started really listening to... Um, songwriters that I admired which at the time was like Babyface and like Diane Warren and all these people who I still look up to but um at the time Alanis Morissette just came out with her album and you know it I, I was not of the grunge scene I was not of that scene but I was trying to be kind of like Jewel and kind of write some stuff like that but I was also just I didn't really know what my style was I just started writing I just started writing music and playing it. And a lot of my stuff was piano compositions that just came out of, you know, I, I, I didn't really have a lot of piano lessons as a kid. I think I had like six months of piano, which I regret. I wish I had more. Um, but I started just kind of taking my scales and just playing by ear, which is what I've always done. Uh, I just play, play and write music by ear. So anyway, so out of AMDA, I... Um, 
I was working, oh, I remember how this happened. I was actually working at a t-shirt shop on 44th Street, um, Actors Heritage, I think is what it was called, which was a strange name because it was basically a tourist shop and I used to fold, you know, fold t-shirts and sell magnets and tourist stuff to people and that was one of my first jobs. And um, I was in there and I actually had a cassette tape of my recordings of me playing the piano and some of my songs and it was a really quiet time because basically when the Broadway shows would start that's when it got really quiet in the place and one of the guys that I worked with was like put on one of your cassettes I want to hear your music and I was like no that's really embarrassing and I don't know you know if you're gonna like it but he kind of forced me into doing it and I wish I remembered this guy's name but I don't um so I put my cassette tape yeah cassette tape in um in so the music went all over the store and it was just me and this guy working so um he started listening to it and it was a really bad recording compared to nowadays but he liked it and he was like this is cool and so this guy walks in while it's playing and I didn't say anything and it wasn't like it was just background music but I was like oh my god someone else is hearing my song they're hearing my music and I don't know how this guy asked what was playing or what happened, but he said, basically, what is this? And I was like, oh, this is my, you know, this is just my piano compositions. And he goes, oh, would you ever want to put this down and actually record it? And I was like, yeah. And he said, well, I'm I'm a a sound engineer over at Quad Studios on 7th Avenue. 7th Avenue. Have you heard of Quad Studios? And I was like, no. And he goes, it's a, it's a recording studio. You should come over on Sunday. I'm working and I can just, you know, we could just lay down a couple songs. Now, honestly, I was like, I don't know you. I don't know this person. I'm, you know, 18, 19 years old. I feel like strange. But I was like, sure, I'll go over to Quad Studios, which is a recording studio. So there's other people there. It's not like I'm going to this dude's house. And I will lay down some tracks. And that turned into my first demo. Um... I think I had nine songs at the time. I had a couple songs that were actually about about a boyfriend standing me up, uh, which actually happened. Um, And the song is called "And She Waits for Him Again." And uh, and I I I just honestly, the guy when I showed up, I was so green to all of this world. But I showed up, and this guy and and another engineer were in the studio, and. It actually, um, I actually sat down at the same piano that Mariah Carey played Hero, uh, where she recorded Hero. At least that's what they told me. And I haven't even looked up to see if that's actually true. But I be- they told me, that, oh, this is, the, this is the same piano that Mariah Carey played uh, Hero on. And I just started like getting so emotional. And I, they just, they were sitting in the booth And I was in the studio, I think it was like Studio A at Quad Studios. Anyway, um, they were smoking massive amounts of pot. And I had never smoked anything. I think I'd smoked a couple times with my boyfriend at at AMDA because I remember uh, Jason Mraz was, was at school with us. And apparently I was in the same kind of pot circle as him, but I was not smoking pot very well or, (laughs) or just, I could not hang with those guys so anyway um I remember they were totally completely stoned and I was in the booth sitting at this piano and 
they didn't even say anything to me. They just like they just like did that finger in the air, like a circle in the air, like just roll them, just go. And they started recording me and I literally played all nine songs that I knew and that I wrote without stopping, like one take. And I just did it because I'd practiced them so much at AMDA that I just recorded all of them. Nobody told me to stop. I didn't know. I was a theater girl. I had no idea, like, stop, start. I hadn't messed up, so I just kept going. And they were totally, like, just stoned and listening to this, like, zen music, piano music that I had done. Oh, my God. And that was it. That was my first demo. And from then... The guy in the booth said, you know, I know some A&R people. And at the time, you know, that's kind of, that's how you got a record deal was going to a record label and submitting your demo and, you know, an artist and repertoire A&R person was in charge of whether or not you got signed. And he said, let me make some copies of this demo. And I think we got like, like my headshot, like stickers. I still have some of these cassettes. Hilarious. But this was the demo that he then shopped to a couple people and um I ended up I ended up playing live at the Peekaboo Festival which was a new music festival of singers and songwriters in New York at the time it never ended up being more than one year as far as I know but yes I ended up uh performing it that was my first time I ever performed my music live I still only had like maybe I, at the time I had 10 songs now and this uh, this recording engineer actually took me to the Peekaboo Festival. I performed there. He got me in with my demo. He had submitted it to a few places, but there was an A&R person at Peekaboo Festivals, and she was with Hollywood Records. And she saw me, and she said, I want to have a meeting with you. And I was flipping out. I was 19 at the time. And I think I had, I had graduated from AMDA, you know, and I was just kind of like flitting around. Do I want to do Broadway? Do I want to do my recordings? I don't know. I'm sure if I actually got a record deal that it would have changed everything for me in terms of like Broadway, I would have just been, you know, doing something else. But anyway, I I met with this woman who was the A&R for Hollywood Records. And she, you know, at the time, everything was grunge. Everything, like I said, everything was Alanis Morissette and Jewel. And she didn't really know what to do with me and this music. Um, I told her also that I was a dancer. And I kind of, uh, I always looked up to like Paula Abdul and Madonna when I was a kid. And I kind of wanted to do that. And she goes, but that's not what you write. This You write stuff that's like melodic and, and you know, these really sad ballads. <laughs> and I was like, I know, I don't write dance music. But at the time, this was 1990. Seven, nineteen. You know, I, I, I hadn't done a lot of musical theater. I'd not done a, a, a starring role in any, any national tours or any, any musicals. I, like I said, just graduated from college, and she didn't really know what to do with me. So there was a piano in the office, and I sat down, and I played some of my stuff, and she saw me, and she goes, "It's kind of Tori Amosy," and I was like, "Yeah," but without the, you know, she said without the weird Tori Amosness, and I was like, "Okay." But all these people she was talking about, I loved and looked up to and still do. But I, I didn't even know what my vision was in terms of being a singer-songwriter. So I think she could smell that. And it wasn't like 
I remember wishing that it was like the old studio system where the A&R person would take me and mold me into what they thought I could be. Like, you know, uh, a, a, a somebody who can sing and dance because that's what I did. Um, I didn't get a chance to dance for anyone. And at the time, there was no social media that I could be like, hey, here's a minute long of me dancing on my social media page or whatever. But I left that meeting and, you know, never heard from her again. I then, this was way, way exciting for me because growing up loving Madonna, Madonna had a record label called Maverick and she still does, but I got a meeting with Maverick and I was like, oh my God, make me Madonna. Like that's what I <laughs> I want to be. Like Madonna and Ginger Rogers mixed together. Is that possible? Let's do it. So I met with Maverick and it was kind of the same thing. They didn't know what to do with me. And they're, you know, they were very, very um, complimentary of my music. They were like, you're, you know, you're really attractive and you can dance, I hear. And I was like, yeah. And they said, but I don't really know what to do with this demo. And I was like, okay. And they said, just keep writing and keep in touch. And I did, but it was, you know, one of those things where I never heard from them again. So I started, you know, continuing to write my own stuff and make my own albums. But at the time, I had also um, started really getting interested and in, in auditioning for more musical theater, which is where a lot of people thought I should be and um, so it was kind of the balance between the two one of them took a back seat and that was my writing and it never really took off I actually did write a couple dance songs one of them's called Make a Move I've never released it I don't even know where that song is nowadays but I I, I actually ended up completing um, a CD and it was one of those moments where my parents were like, let's do a CD, <laughs> a thousand copies. And I was like, a thousand copies? Oh my God, no one's going to buy any of these. And nobody did. But the album's called Nobody's Perfect. And um, it's very rare if you have a copy of it, which I know some of my fans do because they've told me I have a copy. I have a signed copy. Um, I always said if I ever became famous, those would be the thousand copies is all I was ever going to make of that demo. Um, and that's my really, really early compositions. And then I did a full-length album when I started doing pilot season out here in L.A. Um, I hired a guy who was a really great producer out here and had a recording studio in his basement in Echo Park. And I was doing the play at the Geffen Playhouse, and I decided that I wanted to um, – I was making good money, so I decided that I wanted to hire him, and I wanted to record a real album, really record it well – but I did not, still did not really have a vision for what my music was, my style was. Um, and that album turned out to be what's called Mary NYC, um, M-E-R-I-E NYC, which was actually my AOL email address. <laughs> my first email address was Mary NYC. And it's an autobiographical album and it's really about uh, my struggle as an actress and, and growing up and becoming a woman in New York. Um, you know, being there 18 years and I released it in 2005. So that's a long time ago. Uh, it never really did anything because I also was, you know, still on, I'd start on Broadway and I was still doing that. And I was also trying to get into television and film. I was trying to do more of that. So I was kind of, I had a, um, 
I'd branched off and done a lot with my career um, in a lot of different areas. And I had a manager who, you know, I tried to I tried to get a record deal with um, Schick Boom Records with Kurt Deutsch, who is an awesome person and an awesome um, he does a lot of cast albums, and I know that he's he's done a lot of Broadway people's albums. And I met with him, and again, it was sort of those. It, it just it just kept coming to a dead end. Every A and R person or every record producer, like nobody, really had an idea of what they could do with me because I think because I did a lot of different things. I was also at the time known for being Peggy Sawyer, and that's a very specific um, role in a specific time meaning like 1930s and here I am singing pop stuff and I just I totally agree with them I wouldn't know what to do with me either so it kind of fell by the wayside and then I I always wanted to release my piano compositions which um I ended up doing uh with my now husband Dustin Braley we actually produced it's called Without Words and um, I'm going to put a link for all of these albums uh, on the show notes of this episode because you guys asked for it and you want to know where to get it. I'm also going to do better with my website um, and put all of that up media and stuff for you guys to, to really see and listen to. Um, I'm really proud of that album because, you know, it's funny, all of those songs I wrote at a specific time in my life and I can, I can tell you with each song what that means to me. One of them I wrote about my cousin when he, the morning that he passed away, I wrote a song for him. You know, it's really, everything's autobiographical for me. I don't write anything that's not from, from my life experience. Um, and it's really therapeutic and really, um, I, I, I just, I, it's something that I had to do. And then in 2010, You would think because I went through so much emotionally that I would have sat down and written like a thousand songs. But the truth is, is that I kind of stopped writing and I decided I wanted to do jazz. I wanted to do my show at Birdland, which I did, um, Sweet Old Fashioned Girl, and I started wanting to sing jazz. So I hired Aaron Weinstein, who's a friend and an awesome jazz producer, to do my jazz EP. And I did three songs and that's... um, called Little Did I Ever Dream and it really is inspired by meeting my husband and my new my uh, like literally like everything coming from the ashes in my life and coming back to being just in the, the happiest I've ever been having my kids and all of this and I always wanted that to be a full-length jazz album which never happened because you know life happens and I'm I'm a mom and I'm in a new city and I just I kind of put all of my um, my songs and my songwriting away, but I have songs that I've never released. If you guys go to my YouTube channel, I have a song called Get Over You that I wrote years ago, decade ago, actually. Um, I also, I've always wanted to do a lullaby album where I sing with my boys and I sing with my husband. That's something that we're, um, we're still planning on doing. So, and I, and I want to do more writing. I actually want to do, um, a real full-length album because I'm so different now, 20-plus years later from when I started writing music. But, you know, I'm just, I'm really thankful to my friend Sarah Jane, who uh, I interviewed on this podcast last week. And, um, you know, she she does, as I said in that episode, she sparks a lot of um, ambition in me. 
and I start thinking about things I want to do. And the truth is, is that I do want to write more. I do want to, you know, start writing music again. So I'm going to. But that's my confession of me trying to be a recording artist, which was, you know, it never came to fruition. And I, here's the thing, guys, in this, in this business, there's so many things and so many dreams that you have that you, that are going to not come to fruition. There's a lot of things that you're going to fail at. And I failed at becoming a recording artist. I mean, I, I thought I could have been like Britney Spears. I could have been like, you know, somebody who's like, you know, dancing in music videos like that. I grew up with MTV and I grew up with world premieres of videos and I grew up watching um, such incredible artists on 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 MTV and VH1 and and I that was an aspect of what I wanted to do in this industry Um, I really did I just I tried and it didn't happen but it's also one of those things where I can I can still do it I can still you know write and record stuff I can still I actually feel better as a jazz singer than I ever have so um, it's going to happen. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I've got all these things that I want to do, you guys. I have so many things in my life I want to, I want to accomplish. So many things on my bucket list. And I think that that's what drives me in this business and being an artist. And I hope that it inspires you guys. If you have something that you're like, God, I've always wanted to do this. I say just do it. Like really Figure it out, take baby steps that it takes to get there and then just do it because you're going to regret it when you're 90 years old in your rocking chair, um, looking back and being like, why didn't I just do, you know, a lullaby album or why didn't I just get up and write music because I have so much that I could write about. I have just such a rich life that I'm so grateful for. And I want to, I want to write a song for my husband. I want to write a song for my, my kids. I want to write a song for my friends. I want to write a song for myself. Um, I just want to be creative in that way again. So thank you guys for asking about my, my recording life. I hope that you go and listen to and, and stream and download my music and let me know what you think. I really appreciate it. I'm always grateful to any comments that you guys have and um, for lifting me up. So with all of that said, you know, I always say have vision for what you want, but be grateful for where you are right now. And I do that every single episode I do for you guys. I really do feel so grateful for my life. So with that being said, I'm sending you love. And until next week, take care of yourself.